Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church located in Katy, Texas. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing that faith with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message. God bless your week. God's grace, mercy, and never-ending peace be yours in abundance today as you consider how joy fills your heart because from heaven above to earth, God has come. He's coming. Does that make your heart full of doom or joy? Imagine for a minute that you were in that terrifying place, Germany, Poland, in the 1940s. And you were hiding in the house of someone who was friendly to the Jewish people, but you knew the Nazis were in your area trying to hunt you down. You were hiding in the closet under the stairs when all of a sudden a loud knock was on the door. And you heard voices talking in German. And footsteps were racing through the house. The voices grew louder and louder. And I think that it's fair to say your heart, if you were the one hiding in the closet, would be full of doom. Fear, devastation, starting to process how terrifying this whole thing truly was. As well as a heart of giving up. But then, the door to the closet bursts open and you hear the words, We've come to save you. And it wasn't just someone who was lying. It wasn't someone who was a ruse telling you they would come to save you so that you went quietly with them and then only things got worse from there. No. This person really did go out of their way to pursue you, to hunt you down, to put themselves in harm's way in order to save you. Your joy would be full. Just think about how things would change. Your knees, instead of tottering and quaking, would now be strong. Your hands, instead of shaking like a leaf, would now be ready to serve. Your heart, instead of going 100 miles an hour because of doom, would now go 100 miles an hour because of joy. The difficulty of processing how terrifying things were would change into the difficulty of processing how wonderful things had now become. All because someone in authority came to save you. There you have a snapshot of what we get at Christmas. God has come from heaven above to earth, not to condemn, but to save. And the verses before us in Isaiah chapter 35 give us a wonderful description of the heart, the mindset, the outlook we can have because Jesus has come at Christmas. Let's get into the verses and I think you'll know what, know what I mean. First of all, verse 1, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. 
The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Normally, desert and wilderness areas would be drab, dreary, gloom, doom, difficulty, nothing joyful there, nothing joyful going to come. And that is how our hearts were alone as we dreamed of God coming from heaven above to earth, full of holiness and justice to deal with people like us who are full of sin. Nothing but doom would fill our soul. Because we haven't been patient during affliction. We have had words fly out of our mouth that we would love to take back but can't. We were quick to blame, quick to doubt, slow to trust. No matter what God would do, we still wouldn't give Him our hearts. It's all sin and it's all full of us. Oozing everywhere. And now God has come. We would be like the people hiding in the closet full of fear. No joy for miles around. Except God announces that He has not come to condemn, but instead to save, to rescue us. Jesus came from heaven above to earth in order to put Himself in the path of the bullet intended for you and me. He came from heaven above to earth in order to shed His blood so that we wouldn't have to. In order to go through hell so that we would never know what it's like. In order to announce to us righteous forgiveness is yours in Christ so that we can have something to look forward to all our lives that we will one day go to heaven above with Christ, that we one day will be full of joy with Christ. He has come to save us, to take us home. That's the description of the first two verses there. What used to be a heart of wilderness, desert, parched, and withering, the hearts of us as sinners, now are full of joy. Blossoming, rejoicing, all because of what Christ has come to do. How are we going to know that Jesus is the right one? How are we going to be sure it's not a lie? Like someone telling us, oh yeah, just come with me and go take a shower when it's actually a gas chamber. How do we know? We know because the Scriptures tell us foretelling long in advance exactly what we can look for when Jesus would come to save. Verse 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7 describe that. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. 
in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. When God comes to save, He comes with divine retribution, but not towards us. It should have been that because we're sinful, but not towards us. Instead, His divine retribution is taken out on the devil. Jesus came to destroy the devil's work. Jesus came to shut the gates of hell once and for all. Jesus came to wipe out our sinfulness. Anything and everything that would stand between you and God is absolutely obliterated because of what Christ Jesus has come from heaven above to earth to accomplish. Places that used to be a haunt for jackals, spooky, now are flourishing. Places that used to be withering and death all around now are flourishing with life all around. That's your heart and mine when you are holding fast to Christ as your Savior from sin. He prepared a highway for us. That's what the last paragraph is talking about in our sermon verses. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. This is the way of holiness. And again, at first, our thought is, yikes, not for me. Because I'm not holy. And I have a million reasons why. And then the Lord makes it clear. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools, people who are greedy, people who doubt, people who are lustful, they will not be on the way of holiness. And yet, the Scripture clearly teaches you are on this way of holiness. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. Only the redeemed will walk there. Notice it's a past tense. It's, it's a passive verb. It's something that has happened to you. Not something that you accomplished as the active person in the sentence. You aren't the Redeemer. You are the redeemed. Jesus is the Redeemer and He has redeemed you. Similar thing at the start of verse 10. You are not the rescuer. You are not the one in charge of providing salvation you are the rescued the one who has passively received the gift of rescue from the act of rescuer jesus christ our lord jesus alone makes it possible to walk on the way of holiness and you can rightly say connected to him i am on the way of holiness i stand before god holy and clean precious in his eyes, sinless as can be, because that is the powerful cleansing blood of Jesus and what it can do for you. Instead of entering life 
where sorrow and sighing overtake you and gladness and joy flee away. What a disappointing outlook. What a difficult moment. You know what that's like to be like that. But God gives you the very opposite. He gives you a situation where gladness and joy overtake you. And sorrow and sighing take a hike. He gives you a situation where everlasting joy crowns your head because you are a royal heir to all that belongs to God. A prince, a princess in his eyes. Perfectly forgiven. All because God decided in love for people just like you to come from heaven above to earth to save you, not to condemn you. Martin Luther wrote the hymn, From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. That is a big part of our service today. And it only seems appropriate for you to hear a quote of his about the Christmas story as we grow deeper and deeper in what it means, in what Jesus accomplished there through his birth, but then also his life, death, and resurrection. Here's what Martin Luther had to say about that. As ocean spray does not touch the deep, so mere shallow meditation will not quiet the heart. But there is such goodness and richness in this nativity that if we should see and deeply understand, we should be dissolved in perpetual joy. Would you like to be dissolved in perpetual joy over the next week or so? Over the next year or so? Until the day your life ends? Then get to know Jesus your Savior, why He came from heaven above to earth. And keep growing deeper and deeper in His love for you. Gladness and joy will overtake you. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Amen. We know your time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you be so kind as to click to follow our show and give us a five-star rating? That's a quick and easy way to help us get the message of truth out to more people. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.